All right, so a couple weeks ago, we were talking about getting the log out of your eye, right? Let's, let's review the four G's real quick. G number one, anybody remember the first G? Glorify God. Remember that? Does that sound familiar to anyone? <laughs> G, uh, the four G's, which I know is not in your notes, but the four G's are number one, glorify God. This is kind of the, the big picture process of reconciliation. The second G, which we talked about two weeks ago, is... Get the log out of your eye. Get the log out of your eye. The third G is gently restore. We'll start talking about that in a couple weeks. Uh, And then the final G is go and be reconciled. Um, Just living a life of reconciliation. So uh, we're still in that get the log out of your own eye section, if you will. Uh, And so two, two weeks ago, we talked about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, that we are to... Uh, get the log out of our own eye before we take the speck out of our brother's eye. And that means that we are to examine ourselves. We're to look at how we have contributed to a conflict, uh, to a situation, uh, and consider uh, our own part before we address others. But, you know, there are times uh, where you may not really be aware of what you contributed. You know, there's some kind of tension between you and somebody else, or at least maybe you feel it from them, or you think you feel it from them, but you're like, I don't really know what's going on because I, I don't know what I did. Um, I don't know if, if I've actually done anything. I certainly haven't intended to offend that person, but they seem to be treating me as if they're offended by me. <laughs> so what can you do in those situations? That's, that's really the first part of this lecture before we get at, uh, to the part of confession. So if you're not sure what you've done in any given situation, but you know there's, there's a, a problem, a tension between you and another person, uh, the first thing you can do is ask others. Uh, you can ask others. You see it in the notes there. It says, um, Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Uh, and the idea that uh, I'm getting at with this point is that, um, it, you know, if, if you're in a relationship with someone and, and you're really not sure, maybe you've had interaction with them, but you're not sure what you've done wrong, uh, you can go to someone who's wise and kind of explain what's transpired and say, is there anything that I'm missing? Am I blind to my own contribution? Did, did I act in a wise way? Did I do something that was unwise? Uh, did I say something that I shouldn't have said? Or, um, you know, you can give them an email that you wrote maybe and say, hey, read this and tell me, is there something offensive in this? And maybe they'll be able to point out something that you didn't realize. Uh, that, you know, you, you said this in the email and I understand your heart behind that, but maybe that wasn't the wisest thing to say or maybe that could have been taken, you know, offensively. It was a sharp statement rather than a gentle statement, you know. Uh, others who are more objective than you are could help you in uh, seeing how you may have contributed to a conflict or offended someone uh, or even sinned in a way that you're not aware of. And that's a good thing. It's, it's faithfulness uh, that someone is able to uh, point that out. It's, it's a good thing to be wounded, as it says there in Proverbs, to have your sin pointed out by someone who loves you uh, so that you can... Uh, address that. Uh, And and the reason this is so important is because we, as it says in that next paragraph, 
Uh, we can be so self-deceived. Uh, we can think to, to ourselves, you know, I, I haven't tried to do anything wrong. I haven't been purposeful in wrongdoing. I haven't been malicious in my attitude toward this person. And so we conclude, you know, I'm just not as sinful as, as this other person is or as others might be in this situation. And so we kind of blind ourselves to the possibility even uh, that we have sinned. Um, you know, this is a universal reality as far as our own self-perception of our goodness. You, you, you talk to someone, a random person on the street, believer or unbeliever, and you say, are you a good person? Usually this is, unbelievers would say, would say, yeah, of course I'm a good person. Uh, or you can go to prison and talk to the prisoners there and say, well, are you a good person? Well, yes, of course I'm a good person. You know, yeah, I've done some things that have landed me in prison, but that you know that doesn't define my my whole being. I'm overall a good person. Or you can go to death row even and uh, ask those folks who have done something so deserving of death that uh, and ask them, "Are you a good person?" Oh yeah, generally I'm a good person. All right, so we all have this self perception, and so uh, we need to recognize as believers that we are. Sinners. Yes, we're saved by grace, and yes, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and um, we are being sanctified. Uh, perhaps we're not as sinful as we used to be, hopefully, by God's grace, but we can still be blind to our own sin, and we can justify ourselves, and we can even, because of our own self-justification, when someone points out a wrong, you know, someone that we've offended, we can even discount their opinion and, and say, well... You know, no, that I, that I didn't mean that, so that doesn't count. You know, that's not really wrong because it wasn't purposeful. So we just need to be humble and uh, willing to hear from others uh, how we may have uh, contributed to a situation. Again, that's not always necessary. I'm not saying that you should always talk to someone else, but but if you're really not sure and you're really wanting to resolve a conflict to to restore a relationship, and you're just lost as to what what you've done to uh, contribute to the situation, uh, it can be helpful uh, to talk to someone you trust to speak the truth into your life. Of course, the most helpful person you can talk to is the person who is offended themselves. Um, you can ask them very directly, uh, what, what have I done that has caused offense? You know, there seems to be some tension between you and me. Uh, I'm sensing that you know maybe you've been avoiding me, or I, I don't know if there's something wrong, but this is just what I'm you know, I'm feeling. You know, the air seems to be thick when we're around each other. Uh, can you help me understand? Because I, I you know I care about you. I don't want to have any division between us. Is there anything that I've done that have that has been offensive? And you know you can even say I'm sorry if I don't. You know, if you think I should know what I've done, <laughs> right? Because somebody might respond, I can't believe you don't even know what you've done. You know, it's, it's devastating my life. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know. Uh, so I, I have here just like a sample statement along the lines of what I was just saying. But, uh, the, you know, this is not something to memorize. But, but just as a way of saying, you know, I sense that our relationship has felt strained lately. Perhaps I've mis, uh, I'm re- misreading the situation uh, but we've not been communicating well, and I feel like you've been upset at me. I've sought to examine myself, even asked the pastor to help me think through what I may have said and done, but I just haven't been able to pinpoint anything. I'm sorry it should be, if it should be obvious, but it isn't. Can you help me understand how, how, how I've offended you? 
I really want to make things right between us. So just, you know, again, being humble and saying, I don't know what I've done, and I'm sorry if it should be obvious. Uh, please help me understand. And again, it requires a lot of humility to ask the question and then listen to the response. Because sometimes you might feel like, really? Are you offended by that? <laughs> you know, and, and so we have to be, if we're going to ask the question, we have to be ready to not just listen, but accept the answer and address it with humility and not even get offended at the fact that they were offended by something you, you know, did unintentionally or something. Um, and so we can, we can ask the person directly so that they can inform us and help us uh, understand their perspective. So those are just a couple things that we can do, you know, asking others or asking the person themselves if we're, if we're at a loss of what we've done. And I just reiterate again, it takes a lot of humility. We'll talk about, well, actually you talked about this last week with Christopher. Humility is required if you're going to be a peacemaker, right? You have to be willing to, uh, to consider yourself, to humble yourself and recognize, you know what? I am a sinner, which means I am capable of any sin. I have the capacity within myself to commit any violation of God's law, even murder. And so if someone brings someone to my attention, I should never think, I would never do that. Uh, No, I I wouldn't have done that, or I couldn't have done that. Uh, We have to be humble and recognize, you know what, Um, I may not have been intentional in doing that, but but clearly I came across that way, whatever it is that they might say, and just humble ourselves. Well, in the next section there on page 42 is the question, what if someone has something against me? Usually in the home, we have a pretty good idea if we've offended someone, right? Uh, We don't do a good job of hiding that (laughs) in our family relationships, whether it's husband and wife or siblings or whatever. We we hear it pretty clearly or we feel it in in, uh, the tension in the home. Uh, But outside of those close quarters, it's possible that we might say or do something and not realize or remember that someone has been offended. And so Jesus gives us instructions uh, here in Matthew five twenty-three to 24. He says, <clears throat> Therefore, if, any, uh, if, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. So here, uh, in the first situation of that, those first two questions of, okay, you know there's something wrong, you just don't realize what you've done, you don't know what you've done. Here, uh, it may be that you are not personally affected by the conflict, you don't realize that there is tension, maybe you just don't see that person often enough where it, uh, it affects your life, you know, it's maybe someone you see week to week at church, but you don't think about them, you don't interact with them during the week, so... Monday through Saturday, you know, it's not an issue, but then Sunday it is. Or maybe it's a family member, you only see, like an extended family member, you only see every once in a while, holidays or whatever. And so most of the time, you know, there's, you don't feel it, you're not thinking about it, it doesn't bother you, but there are those moments where it just brings tension, uh, or it just comes to your mind at, at some random point. Whatever it is, uh, there are a number of reasons uh, that we may not remember uh, 
uh, that something is wrong between us and another person. So you see a couple that we've already mentioned. Perhaps you don't see the person often enough. Uh, perhaps uh, the incident was far enough in the past that you didn't realize it was still an issue, right? This, is, this could especially be true with maybe an old friend or uh, an extended family member that something happened way in the past. And as far as you're concerned, like, oh, that's over and done with. Either it was dealt with, or even if it doesn't, if it wasn't dealt with, you know, that's been in the closet a long time. Do we still need to, to talk about that kind of thing? Um, uh, or perhaps you uh, did something wrong, but you didn't think it was that significant. So maybe you know you yelled at that person. Or you, you know, called them a name. You said something derogatory, demeaning. Or you know, you com- did some action that was offensive. But in your mind, you're like, ah, that was just, I was just having a bad day. Or you know, I just did that one thing. That's not characteristic of me. It's not overarching our relationship. It really wasn't that big of a deal in your mind. Or perhaps you weren't even aware that someone had something against you until someone told you. That you're just going about your life and someone says, you know, did you know that so-and-so you know, has been offended and they've been upset at you? you know, there's a variety of reasons here that we may not actively be thinking about. That's what the word remember means. We're not actively thinking about, we're not affected by uh, a tension in the relationship or a sin that's been committed. But Jesus says, the moment that you remember that it comes to your mind that someone has something against you, Jesus says, go and be reconciled to that person. He says to make it a priority. And by using that situation of you're, you're there presenting your offering, what he's picturing is, you know, then in the first century, uh, when the, the people would come to the temple to present their offerings, they'd bring their lamb or their bird or whatever it is that they're bringing uh, you know, there were only so many priests. And you think about time of, of Passover or where like the whole nation wouldn't come together. There would be long lines of people just standing there waiting to give their offering, to, to make their sacrifice. And so just imagine you're just standing there and maybe you got two hours or however long before you actually finally get to the priest. And you're just standing there. You're thinking maybe you're talking to the people around you, but there's probably some time to just think in your own mind all of a sudden, someone comes to your mind, and you're, th- and you're like, oh my goodness, this person has something against me. Jesus said, instead of, okay, I'll deal with that later, I'm here in line, I don't want to lose my place. <laughs> I've traveled all this way to, to give my offering, so this is the most important thing. I need to worship God, I need to obey His, His law. Jesus said, no, no, what's most important is that you go and be reconciled. And then you come and offer your, your gift. So there's a priority of reconciliation that Jesus places. It's, it's not to say that God does not accept you know, worship when we have an unreconciled relationship. But it is to say that God prioritizes that we pursue reconciliation with others above worship. Or let me put it this way. Jesus would not have us think that we can live our lives, that we can worship God, that we can engage in, in corporate worship and, and you know, live our life before the Lord. All the while, there are these one or more unreconciled relationships, where, especially where we have been offended, where we have offended someone. 
and we not deal with that? I mean, it's so significant that John says in 1 John 5, or 4, verse 20, 1 John 4, 20, that you cannot love God and hate your brother at the same time. Right? Whoever says he loves God, but he hates his brother, he is a liar. And so if there is a broken relationship and we have a hard attitude about that, uh, we need to deal with that because otherwise we're, in a sense, we're, we're living a conflicted life. On the one hand, we're saying I'm worshiping God, I'm living for God, I'm, I'm trying to honor the Lord in my life. All the while, there's a broken relationship there. And Jesus says, that, that shouldn't be. Let me remind us. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men, right? So there, there are many situations where you've done everything you should do. You've sought reconciliation. You've confessed your sin. And you know, you've appealed to that person to reconcile. And they don't, they don't want to. Well, in that case, you know, you've done what God has called you to do. And so you can... Uh, you can give your gift as, as it were. You can worship and, and God does not hold that against you. But it should never be that uh, we don't deal with, that we don't make an attempt to reconcile with others who have things against us. As far as it depends on us as believers, as those who are seeking to honor the Lord, we should make every effort uh, that God calls us to make to reconcile with others. So we should go to that person. Uh, we should humbly uh, ask to seek to understand how we've offended them. Uh, and then we should move toward the third step of reconciliation. So reconciliation is critical in God's eyes. Well, after uh coming to a full understanding of your own sin, your own contribution to a conflict, what you've done, what you've said. Uh, you know, you've kind of taken the log out of your eye in terms of you, you've recognized all of what your role has been in that situation. Uh, before we confront that person about their sin, we are to confess our sin. And as we said a couple weeks ago, the first thing we do is confess our sin before the Lord, right? Because we've sinned first and foremost against Him. It's His law that we've violated, uh, not the, the other person. And so we, we confess our sin first and foremost to the Lord. And after we've done that, then we can confess to the person. But uh, we have to think about how to confess because the reality is we are really bad at confessing. Right? We, uh, we, as kids we're taught and then we often teach our kids well just say you're sorry <laughs> you know g- give your brother or your sister a hug and you know and say you're sorry and of course they don't mean it we had this conversation a couple couple weeks ago i think it was uh, about teaching kids and, and so we're taught to just say those simple things and so often uh, as adults you know whether it's against someone that's close to us or spouse or family member or you know maybe somebody at work whatever uh, when we get to that place of acknowledging, okay, yes, I've done something wrong, you know, we're, we'll say things like, I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. Or, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you were offended, which, of course, is not a confession <laughs> at all. Uh, we might say something like, uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, I was having a really bad day, which is blame shifting. 
or I'm sorry, but I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have, you know, blaming the other person for your sin. If we're going to confess rightly, and, and confess means to say the same thing, that's the Greek word homologeo, to say the same thing uh, that God says about our sin, then uh, we can't blame shift, uh, we can't pass it off, we can't minimize our, our sin. We have to just put it out there and say, yes, this is what it is. It is sin <laughs> that I've committed. I have betrayed your trust. I have, you know, whatever it is that we've done. And so uh, we're going to walk through here the seven A's of confession. Seven A's of confession. And um, for uh, most of the day-to-day, you know, the the common run-of-the-mill sins that we commit against each other, uh, you know, my, my point is not, okay, you have to make sure you you include all of these components in every confession you ever make. Um, there would be some aspects like uh, accept the consequences where maybe there are no particular consequences to a, a sin that we commit on a, any given day. But um, I would say, especially if there's a significant sin, if there's significant brokenness in a relationship, the more thorough our confession can be, the better it's going to be received. Uh, the more that we express to the person how we have sinned against God and toward them, uh, the more they will see that we really understand what we've done. Uh, that we're not just minimizing it or sweeping it under the rug or blame shifting. And so the, the fuller that we can confess sin, the better uh, reconciliation uh, can take place. Um, so there are times where when I'm counseling someone, um, you know, I'll teach them more of an abbreviated, or I'll encourage them to confess in a more abbreviated way. I won't necessarily have them walk through all of these steps. But then there are other times where I will take weeks in teaching, instructing them about their sin, about the nature of sin, the reality of sin, and then I'll have them write out like a letter of confession uh, that they need to make to maybe their spouse or to someone they've sinned against. And then I want to read that confession <laughs> and then give them feedback on it because I just want them to be able to articulate their a confession in the most helpful way, right? It's not that there's one right way and, you know, I just know the perfect way and, you know, so I, I'm going to tell you that. That's not it. I just want to help uh, folks uh, confess in a way that's that's honoring to the Lord and, and most helpful to the person they've sinned against. And so, again, there are times where we really need to sit and think and pray and uh, even write out uh, a confession uh, when we've sinned in a grievous way. So, uh, I hope that these notes are, are not just um, something you'll you know, hear today and forget tomorrow, if not this afternoon, but that you'll even keep this, uh, whether you keep this sheet or you just keep the electronic file. Uh, and someday, maybe you'll need to come back to it and say, you know what, I've, I've sinned in a significant way, and so I, I want to make sure that I confess well and, and, uh, and work through that. And then for those of you who are parents, you can think about how you can teach your kids, you know, certain of these components that would be appropriate uh, so that they can confess uh, sin uh, in their lives as they grow.
All right, so the seven A's of confession. A number one, as you can see, is address everyone involved. Address everyone involved. The extent of confession should be as broad as those who were involved, and sometimes even those uh, aware of the situation, even even if they were not directly involved in the situation. So there are times, uh, many times, when our sin is very personal, just one-on-one, like nobody else knows about it. And, you know, again, it's, it's not a, a, a significant uh, uh, sin that, that totally breaks a relationship or, or uh, that damages uh, uh, someone's life in a, in a significant way. And so we can just confess with that one person, right? That's like the vast majority of the sins we commit. We can address just that one person. But sometimes uh, there are sins that we commit that affect uh, indirectly others, uh, whether we uh, sin against a coworker and others observed it, like we were talking earlier here uh, during the prayer time, Pastor Allen was saying that it used to be that uh, at the IRS they would have this open floor, you know, with cubicles and everything. And most of the time, when everybody was there, everybody's talking, and it just becomes a white noise, right? You can't really understand what people are saying because everybody's talking and whatever. But when there aren't very many people there. It's a lot quieter, and you can more easily discern what people are saying. And then if it's like really quiet, and one person gets on the phone, everybody hears that conversation. <laughs> right? So let's just say that in, in a scenario, uh, you're in that situation where other people are around, and you, you, know, you get angry, you express your anger, you, you, you sin against someone, and other people just observe that, they hear that. Now, you can go to that one person. You should go to that one person that you sinned against and confess your sin and seek their forgiveness. But if nobody else knows that you did that, uh, that's not going to help them be confident in you know, your, your character and uh, to know that that has been reconciled and dealt with. And of course, in the world, among unbelievers, that's just normal for people to sin and yell and not do anything about it. So what a testimony would it be if whatever way it would look like uh, for you to acknowledge your sin even to those who witnessed uh, that situation. Or consider in the home when a husband and wife sin against each other and the kids observe that, right? It was at the dinner table, so everybody, everybody was there. Well, it may be that you know once everything cools down, husband and wife go to the bedroom and they talk through things, they forgive each other, and you know they, they restore their relationship in that way. But what about the kids? Like They don't know what went on in the bedroom. They don't know what conversation happened, the tears or the forgiveness. It would be appropriate for the parents to talk with the kids. And, you know, kids, I, I sinned against mommy or I sinned against daddy. You know, please forgive me. You know, I've already asked mom's forgiveness, you know, whatever that might be. So think about how others may need to be uh, addressed in a confession. There, there might be situations, you know, just to think broadly about this, where a sin is very private, uh, is very personal, but the implications of that sin means that there's a, a public uh, change. You know, and one of the common ones that we would be aware of is a, a pastor who falls into immorality or commits some grievous sin where now they have to step down from ministry. 
even though nobody may be aware of that sin, like it, it could go on and nobody knows what actually happened. They just know that the pastor had to step down. It may be appropriate. In fact, it probably is necessary for the pastor to make a public confession of how he has sinned as the explanation for why he's having to step down. Um, again, you can think of a variety of situations uh, in in the workplace uh, where, where that might be necessary, uh, where there's a public kind of an open confession uh, because of the impact of sin uh, that goes well beyond that individual person's life. So address everyone involved. Think about that when you confess your sin, is there anyone other than the person you've sinned against who needs to hear that the confession? Number two, avoid if, but, or maybe. Right. So this is the blame-shifting one. Uh, take full responsibility without including the other person's contribution. So you want to avoid saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you wouldn't have done that, or I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, this happened and that's, that's why I did this. Or maybe if you wouldn't have been yelling, then I wouldn't have yelled back. You know, I wouldn't have hit you if you didn't hit me, you know, those kinds of things. You, you want to take 100% responsibility, and no matter whether you think you are 10% responsible for the conflict and they were 90% responsible, you take 100% responsibility for your 10%. And of course, we can't divide contributions and percentages. We don't have the ability to do that. So you just take 100% responsibility for your own contribution. Uh, it doesn't matter what that other person did. It doesn't matter... The, the context of your sin, it doesn't matter what was happening that made it easy for you to sin in that way. Uh, you just sin. And that's all that matters when it comes to confession. Right? Now, again, later we'll talk about confrontation. <laughs> getting the speck out of your brother's eye. But right now we're just talking about getting the speck out of, or getting the log out of your own eye. So you take 100% responsibility. So in a sense, you confess as though no one else bears any responsibility. That your own confession does not... Uh, um, uh, does not bear in mind how others have contributed. Uh, Because you uh, sin, no one can make you sin, right? No one can force you to do something that violates God's law. Uh, When you sin, it's your own choice. So you want to avoid if, but, or maybe. You want to take full responsibility. Number three, you want to admit specifically. Admit specifically. So confess not only the words or the actions, but the heart behind them. And maybe we should say, confess the words or the actions, right? Because um, we, again, in how we typically apologize, uh, you know, I'm sorry for yelling at you. Well, I don't know about you, but um, yelling typically is not a volume. I mean, it's partly a volume issue, but it's also what comes out of the mouth, specifically. The actual words. Yelling is is not, um, hey, I said loving things at a high volume. <laughs> Yelling is, I attacked you with my words. I berated you. I called you names, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you always do this, and you never do that, and you're this, and you're that, and, you know, maybe cussing, God forbid. Um, but, uh, we, we sin with the words, not just with the tone and the volume. And so we want to admit specifically, you know, when I said this, that was, that was evil. That was sinful. That was denigrating to you. That, that, that was rejecting the image of God in you. 
And that was a sin against God. So we want to admit as specifically as we can the actual words or the actual actions that we committed. And then we also, as it says, we want to go to the heart behind them. And you know, when we talked about the heart a few weeks ago, just thinking through, okay, what what was I wanting? What was I desiring that produced in my own heart uh, that sin uh, of words or actions? Uh, and when you again think about that deeper level, you're acknowledging your sin for what it is. It's not just the manifestation of of sin; it's also what is in your heart that produced that sin. You want to use biblical language and categories to refer to your sin. Uh, You know, a lie versus a fib, adultery versus cheating, fornication versus one night stand. You know, we have all kinds of terms that we use as kind of euphemisms or minimizations uh, of our sin. Um, And so we want to use biblical terminology uh, to refer to our sin. And that just... Again, acknowledges our sin for what it is. It says the same thing that God says about it. And uh, it acknowledges that it's a sin and not some other kind of, you know, it's not a mistake. It's a sin. It's not a mistake. It's a sin. Um, And so we want to admit as specifically as we can. Now, there might be situations, more extreme situations, where we don't have to get into all the nitty-gritty details of our sin, uh, maybe with adultery uh, or some significant violation where in the confession itself, we're not having to go through all the, the details. Uh, some of that will come out in other parts of conversation or counseling. But again, for the common sins that we commit against each other, we want to admit specifically. Fourth, we want to acknowledge the hurt. We want to affirm the effects your words and actions had on them, regardless of whether you think they are on par. So, again, part of part of the uh, confession is to acknowledge that your sin has had an impact on the other person; that it's hurt them, it's discouraged them, it's broken their trust. You know, whatever whatever it might be, uh, it's uh, failed to live up to their expectations or their hopes. Uh, it's affected them emotionally in, in whatever ways. It's uh, you know maybe not just caused them to lose trust in you, but it's been because of how your sin corresponds to other experiences in their life. It kind of compounds and it's kind of broken their trust, you know, in people in general or you know in marriage in general. You know, whatever it might be, you want to acknowledge the hurt. And, and you know there are times when we sin against someone and we think they are overreacting. Right. They, they just shouldn't be as angry as they are. Uh, or this shouldn't cause you to lose complete trust in me. Like, I know I violated your trust. I know I, I said something that was a lie. And yeah, that was wrong. But, you know, I don't lie to you all the time. So why would you lose complete trust in me? Right? That's what we're thinking as the one who's committed the sin. And so the temptation for us is, again, to minimize and to imply that, you know, you're, you shouldn't feel as badly as you do about my sin, but that's, that's not true confession. That's not true repentance. Uh, whether or not their response is an overreaction, is an exaggeration, it's irrelevant, at least in the moment of confession. Maybe that's something that gets talked about down the line. 
But in the moment of confession, because of where they are in their life, in their maturity, in their spiritual condition and all that, we've affected them in the way that they've been affected. And so we just need to acknowledge that uh, and um, help them to, to know that we understand that we've caused that hurt. Number five, accept the consequences. Accept the consequences. Sometimes offenses may require some form of restitution or justice. You know, if you break something uh, that belongs to someone else, then it would be appropriate for that to be replaced or paid for. You know, whether it's neighbor's lawnmower or you know, your brother or sister's toy or you know, whatever it might be. There are some situations where that may be necessary. Or if it's been something of a civil legal issue, uh, accepting the reality that my sin requires that you know, I turn myself into the authorities. Um, and being willing to do that shows true repentance and confession. Some offenses may entail a loss of privilege, uh, whether it's access to a relationship, Again, I've, I've, I know that I've hurt you deeply, and it's you know we're probably not going to enjoy the same level of relationship at least for a time. And and I accept that. I accept that if it's difficult for you to be around me because of the way that I've sinned against you, uh, or you know we may if you know if it's a dating relationship or some other kind of partnership that's not a binding partnership, we may need to break that that relationship off uh, because we. We don't trust each other anymore. Uh, some offenses may require time and effort to regain trust and unity. So we can affirm, you know, I understand that it's going to take you time to trust me again. So I want to make myself available. I want to be transparent with you. I want to earn your trust back. That's a consequence of your sin. And so I, you're acknowledging, uh, I understand that, that my sin has <clears throat> caused that, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes uh, to be unified, to earn your trust back, and to um, to show you that that I care about you and want to walk through that. So accept the consequences. And then number six, alter your behavior. If appropriate, explain what changes you plan to make. If your sin has been a pattern, uh, whether they know it or not, but if it's been a pattern in your life, you can explain to them, listen, this is... This has been uh, something that's uh, a pattern in my life, and here's the steps that I'm taking to grow and change and overcome this sin. I know that I have a tendency to, to yell, or I know, I know that you know this is what I tend to do, and so here's what I'm planning to do. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get counseling, or I'm going to you know read a book that's gonna help me think through this issue, or you know whatever it is. Uh, there are situations, again, not all the time, but situations where that may be helpful. And then finally, ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. And this is one where it doesn't matter how significant or insignificant the sin that we've committed is. We should ask for forgiveness. Don't end your confession with, I'm sorry. Uh, because as, as you've probably experienced, when you have difficult conversations and you know, there's, you're trying to reconcile with someone, when they end with, I'm sorry, it's like, okay, what now? <laughs> I appreciate that you're sorry, but what are we, where do we go from here? 
And so there needs to be this transaction that takes place, and we'll talk about forgiveness next week, uh, but there needs to be a transaction. And so when, when you say, will you forgive me? It's like you're putting the, the ball in their hands, and now there's clarity as to where the conversation goes next. Either it's, yes, I forgive you. Praise the Lord, that would be wonderful. Or it's, no, I don't forgive you. That would be pretty awful. Or it could be, I really appreciate everything you've said. I just need some time. I need to process this. I need to think about this. You know, my heart is, is, I'm just not in a place where I can readily forgive you. And I just need time. And that's why it says, ask, ask for forgiveness and allow time. So for your part, when you're confessing your sin, you always want to end with, will you forgive me? It's such a vital part. So even if your, your confession is two sentences, hey, I'm sorry for getting angry and yelling at you. Will you forgive me? You know, uh, there's always more you can say, but at least say, will you forgive me? Um, and again, as we talked about a few weeks ago with regard to teaching children, uh, if you say, if you teach them to acknowledge their sin, no matter how they feel about it, <laughs> if you teach them to acknowledge their sin and ask for forgiveness, you're not teaching them to lie or to be hypocritical. You're just teaching them to say the same thing that God says about their sin and you know, initiate that transaction by asking for forgiveness. And, and that's uh, critically important for kids to learn and for us to to learn as adults. Okay, so seven A's. We walked through that. Any? Let me just pause here to see if there are any questions or comments about any of those. Yeah, I. Have. So, this is like a personal ask. So, uh, what if you did something that offended another person, but you still feel that you had to do it? You are sorry for maybe going about it in a particular way, but you are not really sorry about the action. So I'll give an example. Uh, one of my family members was going through a hard time in the, in the marriage, and one of my other siblings knew for a long time, but respected his choice of don't tell anybody, nobody would know. And it went from just conflict to going through divorce. And I saw him like, what are you doing? You stay out of state. Say, well, I'm leaving my wife. I was like, what? And nobody knows, and at the end of the day, I was like, we need to help this guy. So I told my elder brother, do you know this happened to her? I'm like, we need to do something. Apparently, the wife was like, okay, I'm going to respect you, not tell anybody in the family, and you know how family is able to help sometimes. So I told my parents, and of course, he was angry, he betrayed my trust, I didn't tell anybody, So my apology was, okay, I'm sorry that... Um, Maybe I should have given you time to be able to say it yourself, but this is almost one and a half years. I'm not sorry that I told anybody about it. And but going through this, I'm like, okay, irrespective, like you said, or you should not feel justified, but I still do not feel sorry that I told my mm-hmm. family. I feel sorry that maybe I should have allowed you more time, I should have given you um what do you call it? Maybe ultimatum. If you don't tell within one week or two weeks, I would have to tell things like that. I just want this already going down the drain already. Mm-hmm. There's no diplomacy here. 
So my question is, and I apologize for that, but I'm not truly sorry that I did that till today. Should I be sorry? <laughs> 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 yeah. Should I really be sorry and say, okay, I'm sorry I won't ever told anybody? Should I have not betrayed its trust? I mean, just like someone doing opioids, and you're like, I'm going to not betray your trust and not tell anybody. It's a life-changing decision. You know? yeah. yeah. So that's my... I, I, I feel guilty, but I'm not guilty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate, I appreciate the question. And it's a, it's a really good question. I think there's all kinds of situations that are similar to that. So here's, here's what I would say. Nobody wants the family to split up. Right. So she probably wanted to seek, you know, advice from, you know, your mother and father. Maybe counsel them to yeah. help out the yeah. same So um, there are situations where it's like, Maybe you're not an immediate party. It sounds like this would be where you know you're not in the conflict. You're just you're seeing a conflict happen. You're a third party, and uh, and yet because of the dynamics, you know the family dynamics, uh, it's like this can't stay secret. This this just needs to be dealt with in a different way. Uh, well, but there's different ways of going about that, and so we, we can confess and acknowledge again, regardless of how we feel about it. But we can confess. You know what? The way I went about it may not have been the wisest way. And just like you said, uh, I, I'm sorry, I should have talked to you first uh, or given you more time be- before I talked to someone else. Um, because there are times when someone is unwilling to get help, yeah. unwilling to acknowledge their sin and their problem, you know, with drugs. Um, and, the, you know, they say, don't tell anyone. There is no biblical... Um, command or principle of confidentiality, absolute confidentiality. So when someone asks us, don't say anything to anyone, really what we should say is, I can't promise you that. Um, I, I will keep this as discreet as I can, but there may be a situation where I need to say something to someone because I love you too much to let you to continue in secrecy. And so, um, so that kind of, you know, for future reference for all of us, uh, not never promising absolute confidentiality is really important. Uh, we never want to bind ourselves to that. Um, so that would be the starting point. And then, yeah, there, how you go about, you know, do you talk to them and, and say, you know what, um, I, I, I love you guys. I'm so concerned about this, uh, this needs to be told, you know, to pastor or another family member, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is. Um, but I want you, I think you should be the one to tell them. But if you're not going to, then I will, because I just love you too much to let this stay secret. And so give them the opportunity while also giving them advance warning that if they don't, that you will. So, uh, you, can, you can confess, okay, I, maybe I should have done it that way. Uh, I should have just, whatever other way might be appropriate, I should have handled it differently. Um, and so the, the, the point of confession is not necessarily to say, I feel sorrow over what I've done. I mean, if you do, you can say that. But if you don't, you don't have to say that, right? It's simply to acknowledge, I've offended you. And, and in some cases, again, it's, it was out of love, but I realized maybe I didn't handle it as wisely as I could have. Uh, and so, you know, uh, 
please forgive me for not talking to you first. And sometimes, again, because of the desire that people may have for secrecy, that will be a looming offense that they hold against you. It could break up the family. Uh, it, it could have other effects where they just don't talk to you anymore because you know they know that you're not going to keep it secret. And that's tragic, but sometimes that's the necessary consequence of doing what's right uh, and trying to bring help into someone's life. So does that help? Okay. That's a great question. Any other questions about the seven A's of confession? So just on a practical level, I mentioned earlier that it can be helpful to, especially in a significant sin situation, to write out a letter of confession. Um, And uh, maybe even read it to that person uh, as you're uh, confessing to them, uh, even giving them the letter so that they can take it and process it if they need to. Um, or if, if you know it's not as necessary to write it all out, at least to give yourself some bullet points. Because when we find ourselves in the midst of a difficult conversation, I don't know, maybe you're, you're not like this, but if you're like me, and it's so easy to forget what you want to say. And then later on, you're thinking, oh, I forgot to say this. Oh, I forgot to say that. Oh, you know. And so help yourself out. <laughs> uh, give yourself bullet points. Make sure that, that you have everything uh, written out in some way that will help you make sure that you're able to say what, what you want to say, what you need to say. Um, and that's really a demonstration of love is to say, this is so important. This is so significant. I don't want to mess this up. I want to do this right. I want to do this in the most helpful, loving way. And so write it out, bullet points, whatever it is. So also in terms of communicating uh, as much as possible uh, in person, face-to-face communication, I think is, is ideal. If you live in the same area, if you have the ability to see each other face-to-face when you're talking, that is just going to be absolutely better than anything even though it's more difficult because you're now looking the person in the eye or at least they're standing in front of you if you're reading your <laughs> confession. But there's, there's the possibility for that personal interaction. Uh, if that's not possible, if either they're unwilling to meet with you or they just live too far away where it's not possible, uh, then over the phone. Uh, or I guess you could say these days Zoom or something, and that's fine. But let's just say face-to-face communication is possible over the phone is better. That way they can hear your tone. They can hear your pace. They can hear your emotion. Um, and they're not having to import all of that into their own mind. Because the reality is if you, say, send a text, uh, whatever they're thinking and feeling about you uh, if they've been cultivating bitterness in their own heart, if they've been having you know a bad day themselves, irrespective of you, then they're going to import just whatever emotions they're thinking of into what you're saying. And so that is just a terrible, terrible way to confess over text. Um, now, on the other hand, maybe writing a letter would be different just because that is such a unique these days uh, way of communication and it shows care 
and taking time, that they will read that very differently than they would read a text. Right? So, um, again, ideal is face-to-face verbal communication. Se- second best is just verbal communication. Third best would be maybe writing a letter uh, that demonstrates the seriousness and that I've taken the time to think through this. And then worst way to do it, but still possible, uh, would be confession. Now, again, if it's a small offense, if, you know, if it's you, there's an overall good relationship, you can probably do that over text, and it's not a big deal. But, but even then, I would discourage it. Um, I personally think the less texting we do, the better our relationships will be on the whole. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- thank you for mentioning that. Email, I would say email would be after letter. Again, depending on the nature of, of the sin. Um, if it's a very significant sin, letter is better than email. If it's if it's not as significant, um, and you, you know you have enough knowledge of the, your relationship with the person that that you think you can communicate effectively over email, then email is probably fine too. Um, and just our tendency, or at least my tendency, is to communicate and confess in the least uncomfortable way possible. <laughs> right? I don't want to see them. <laughs> I don't want to hear them. And that is just not good. So, um, again, there are situations where that's not possible, but but we want to um, just help ourselves and, and do whatever we can to promote reconciliation. So uh, that would be some su- suggestions on the method of a conversation. I have a question. Yeah. I have a, um, an aunt, um, and uh, she invited me on a trip uh, one year, um, and I couldn't go. For a time, she didn't communicate. Mm-hmm. But I, over the years, I found out she does that with everyone. So they don't respond the way. plans or, you know, things of that nature. And Yeah, so um, I'm just going to assume a question there. <laughs> so um, when someone is offended for something that is not a sin at all, uh, then it's not so much making a confession as much as it is reaching out to them and saying, hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to go. But, um, you know, just explaining it again. And then if they re- stay offended, then that's between them and the Lord. And, um, you know, you can, of course, make future attempts to show your desire and interest in the relationship uh, so that um, it's not, well, if you cut me off, then I'm going to cut you off kind of situation. But um, Well, it took me a, me a while. Like I said, we, we weren't close growing mm-hmm. up. Right. And... When she married, it's like I had more of a relationship with her husband than mm, her. Okay. You know, he was the one that um, would ask me how I was doing, how school going, <laughs> you know, what do you like about your job? You know, ask questions. You know, whenever I came in town, it's like, you know, let's sit down, we'll have a little chit-chat, see what's going on. She really didn't do that. Um, so when things like that happened, it didn't, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out that, mm. you know, that's why she sometimes didn't communicate. Yeah. It took me a while to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I just kept it moving. Right. Yeah, those, those are tough situations where, again, the brokenness of sin, the curse of sin, just damages relationships when it shouldn't because there wasn't an actual sin that was committed. 
Um, and uh, so we can pray for someone. And you know, we're not obligated to have a relationship with anyone necessarily. So uh, if it's not a relationship that a, that pre-exists and they just choose to break it, break off whatever they were trying to create, then that's that's their choice. But um, uh, you know, again, following the principle of uh, making every effort to be at peace with all men. That if you know you're, you've offended or that someone is offended, then just trying to explain, hey, listen, it, it, this was, you know, I love it. I, I, well, you said you didn't want to go to Vegas. I would love to spend time with you. <laughs> Did I see another hand? Yep. I'm not sure if you already addressed this second in the lake, but what if um, you have something, what if someone, what if the person you're, I guess, confessing to or apologizing to also sin against you and it's something that you're grieved about? Mm-hmm. Maybe, honestly, in reality, you're more grieved about how they sin against you yeah. than maybe you're yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, I haven't addressed that because we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. So uh, the first step, what we did say is the first step before dealing with their sin is confessing your own sin. Uh, I don't know if you were, I don't remember if you were here two weeks ago when we talked to, I think you were, getting the log out of your own eye. Um, and so that we just want to be the first one to confess our sin. And even if we think our contribution was pretty minor and theirs was more significant uh, we still want to be the first one to take that step toward them and that may soften them to where they can then hear our confrontation um, and we'll talk about you know how to do that wisely in a couple of weeks you know not to say will you forgive me yes I forgive you and then say now is there anything you want to confess <laughs> right that's probably not going to be the most helpful thing, but um, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. All right. Yeah, Jose. Yeah, but, um, so, obviously, you can teach a child how to like, ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, I, well, you and I had a situation this past week where um, the more, like, because we're all different, right, obviously, um, how to take uh, how would you teach a child how to take when someone asks them for forgiveness? Um, obviously, there's different steps mm-hmm. on how we take it mm-hmm. as grown-ups, but a child, you know, can take serious offense. So I was just maybe thinking, like maybe trying to ask, like, how do you go about that? Yeah. Well, so next week we'll talk about forgiveness, what forgiveness is, and so. I mean, at a very simple level, especially with a child where the sins are usually very small and temporary, and you know, usually you, you have that conversation and you, know, you go off on the rest of your day. But at a very basic level, it's forgiveness is uh, not counting their sin against them. And so uh, it's, it's releasing someone from the consequences of their sin debt uh, toward us. And so it, uh, there's more to it than that, but um, at a very basic level, it's okay, I'm not going to allow this sin to stand between us. And, and it's kind of an uh, acknowledgement of, of their confession. Yes, we're agreeing together that you sinned against me, uh, and so now we're going to move forward, and I'm not going to hold this against you, right? 
So again, we'll get more detailed on that next week. And so just teaching a child that, uh, yes, you are to forgive and, and just move on and not retaliate, not, hey, he punched me, I'm going to punch him back, or, you know, not, um, you know, after I've forgiven you, now I'm going to mistreat you, you know, to pay you back, which is very common. So, yeah. Well, let's finish out the last section here. What if the person won't forgive you? What if they do say no? Well, remember that the central goal of biblical counseling is to glorify God. So as you're thinking about your confession, as you're approaching the other person, you want in your heart and mind, first and foremost, to glorify God in how you speak with the other person. And so if they say no, obviously that's not the desired outcome in your relationship, but if you've glorified God and how you've confessed your sin and acknowledged it and seen it for what it is and even had some degree of sorrow over it, then God is glorified by that. And you can praise the Lord in your own heart that he has by his spirit helped you to glorify him. So that's key to remember. Uh, It's not about maybe if I confessed better, they'd forgive me. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, It's about glorifying God. Often we get frustrated and angry when we've done everything right from our perspective and the other person doesn't respond well, right? We want that reciprocation. Uh, But this anger is always, always produced when our motivation was to manipulate the other person or the situation rather than to glorify God. If our approach to confession is, if I just confess so that they will see that they need to confess their sin, then obviously when they don't confess and and we get angry, we're just showing that we were more interested in getting them to respond a certain way, manipulating them, if you will, uh, than glorifying God. And so if you confess and they don't respond well and you get angry, Uh, that's something for you to confess before the Lord uh, because you've had the wrong motive in your confession. So with that in mind, keep the the following in in mind. Uh, If the person doesn't forgive you, pray for the person regularly. Matthew 5.44, Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If they are continuing to sin against you, either actively or or just passively through their own bitterness and and withholding of their relationship, then pray for them. Uh, Pray for reconciliation. Pray that the Lord would be merciful and work in their heart to soften it toward you. Uh, If they have sinned, uh, pray that God would convict them of their sin. That's part of the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, You can pray for God to bless them, as it says in Romans 12. Uh, Bless and do not curse. God does good to his enemies, and so we can ask that God is gracious and good to them. And then you yourself in humility, uh, or sorry, number two, ask them if there is anything you have yet to acknowledge. So maybe they're not forgiving you because however wrong it might be on their part, uh, there's something that they're still offended by that you haven't acknowledged. And so you can ask, is there anything else that I, I need to acknowledge? And again, be willing to receive receive that if there is. Uh, and then in humility, do good to them. Romans 12, 20 to 21. So we'll, we'll talk in more detail on the last day of class of uh, living with those or living in relationship with those who don't reconcile. 
but God calls us with our enemies to do good to them, to bless them, to meet their needs uh, as we have the ability to do so, uh, rather than to uh, avoid them and, and break off the relationship on our side. Uh, number four, ask if they would be willing to meet with someone who could help mediate the conflict. Uh, if, again, they're perceiving that you're not acknowledging your sin or whatever, say, well, would you be willing to go see a, you know, a pastor or someone, a mutual friend who can help us work through this? And then finally, if they continue to refuse to forgive and they are sinning in their interaction with you, seek help from a mature believer who knows both of you Excuse me, or a pastor who can help. So this is the principle of Matthew 18, the first step of church discipline. That if you go to your brother or sister and uh, you know address sin, but they don't respond, then Jesus says, bring one or two others along. And so you should try multiple times on your own before you bring others along. But if they just continue to refuse and there's ongoing sin taking place then it is appropriate, even as we were saying earlier, even if they want it to keep it secret, Jesus says, no, you can't keep this secret. Uh, bring one or two others along. But make sure you bring one or two others who are mature, who are wise, and who are objective, who can help in the situation. And then pray that the Spirit would use that effort. All right? So confession. Uh, important things to, to keep in mind. Let me pray.